Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm a songwriter, Charlie Harding. I'm musicologist, Nate Sloan. Nate, I've had at least two big missed opportunities that I've really regretted not interviewing someone before they broke out hmm. into being a major pop star. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. Who are these people? I'm just going to tell you one of them today. It's the former Disney High School, the musical, the musical, the series actor turned mega pop star, Olivia Rodrigo, whose lead single off her last album, Driver's License, was sent to me in advance, mm. and I didn't click with it. You were just like, delete, delete my future. I got my driver's license last week. Listen, I'm sorry. I rushed to conclusions. I thought, this is a ballad. Ballads aren't big right now. I just thought it wasn't going to hit. I hardly even paid attention to it. And obviously, I was wrong. I forgive you. I honestly haven't forgiven myself yet. Her 2021 album, Sour, was one of the biggest albums of the year. She had many singles, over a billion plays. Uh, She is a sensation. And I'm not the only one, though. A lot of people, I think, have gotten Olivia Rodrigo wrong. Hmm. A big part of her story has become this narrative about who she is taking inspiration from with lots of accusations of intellectual theft for riffs from Elvis Costello. To chords and stylings borrowed from Paramore, which she was forced to give interpolation credits. To vocal stylings, to which she's had to give credit to Taylor Swift. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of anxiety of influence surrounding this artist. And, you know, when I talked to Elvis Costello on this podcast last January, he said something that stuck with me. He said, for me to take issue with Olivia Rodrigo using the sound that's been used by so many other artists would be, quote, idiotic. (laughs) So make of that what you will. Yeah, I think Olivia isn't someone who's stealing from pop music, but rather has a great repertoire of pop music. You know, all of pop is about taking the genres and influences you know and assimilating them into new compositions. Hmm. And I think this is a good time to revisit her music because she has a new album coming out in just a few weeks. It's called Guts. And she has two singles, which are available now. What I want to do today is listen very carefully to these two songs, really break them down and see how Olivia uses the language of pop to build her own unique stories. I want to start with the song Vampire. I've made some real big mistakes, but you make the worst. One look fine, I should have known it was strange. You only come out in 
It's the lead single off the new album. It's yet another ballad following in the success of songs like Driver's License and Deja Vu, which have collected over 3 billion streams on Spotify. If you're mad about someone repeating themselves, doing yet another ballad, tell that to Adele or Celine. I think this is a great ballad. Like so many ballads, it's about an ex-relationship. Something has gone wrong, and she compares her past lover to a monster. Let's hear how she builds the world of vampire. We begin with these quiet, stewing chords with a piano melody that pushes forward and creates momentum. That chord progression for me foreshadows that something is amiss. The harmony is kind of eerie. Yeah, there's something about these chords that feels a little unsettled. There's some chromaticism. There's some sense of, like, where is this going? Right, because the chords, to begin with, are all major, which would suggest sort of bright and happy. The first chord is an F to A major. But A major doesn't belong to the key of F. It introduces, as you said, chromaticism, these off colors, borrowing from minor keys. So we go from F major to A major, to B-flat major. Everything is bright Mm. until it descends down to B-flat minor, the saddest chord of them all. Yeah. And just to understand the power of that chord progression, we could imagine what the song would sound like if it stayed all in its key. It would start on F major, Mm -hmm. go to A minor, B-flat major, And then maybe we'll say go to C. And it's just a little cheesier, kind of corny. A little vanilla, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not dark. It's not vampiric. Exactly. It's got no fangs, Charlie. (laughs) There's something about this chord progression where it feels like she's got three major chords in a row, three steps forward, and then a minor chord, one step back. So what do these chords tell us? They, to me, say that She's trying to move forward, but she keeps getting stuck in the past. And talk about moving backwards. This chord progression is also kind of a classic four-chord loop that was probably first kind of introduced by Radiohead in their song Creep. Not a lot of chord progressions stand out and have associations to a single song. Right. But when I think of these chords, I think of them as the creep chords. And you can hear how Olivia Rodrigo may be borrowing those chords from how creep was performed in the social network soundtrack. I feel like this chord progression has an inbuilt narrative, right? Radiohead are talking about, I'm a creep. And then the second chord, the one that has this weird chromaticism, says, I'm a weirdo. And then it's sort of figuring out where do I belong. It goes to this B flat major, the third major chord. It's saying, what the hell am I doing here? And on the sad B flat minor, I don't belong here. I think when we both heard Vampire, we immediately associate it to Creep. I shall 
But Radiohead were not the first to use this set of narrative chords. In fact, some of the turmoil that we hear in these harmonies has turned into real conflict in the past. The 1974 song, The Air I Breathe by The Hollies, uses the same chords and a similar melody to Creep, so similar that they actually settled a lawsuit against Radiohead out of court for an undisclosed sum. In an about-face, Radiohead's publisher later unsuccessfully went after Lana Del Rey for using the same chords in her song, Get Free, from 2017. So yeah, you can't copyright a chord progression, but these chords definitely have strong associations for listeners and publishers. But it's worth noting that these so-called creep chords have earlier precedents as well, like in David Bowie's Space Oddity, for example. With some variation, but yeah, the building blocks are definitely there. Yeah, and it has that feeling of the ascension, I'm floating, like going out into the moon. And there's melancholy in Space Oddity because Major Tom, of course, floats away and loses radio connection. Okay, so that's interesting. So this chord progression goes a little further back than Radiohead. Even goes back to Elvis Presley. Ooh. Let's check out That's When Your Heartaches Begin. If you find your sweetheart in the eye well that's pretty cool yeah and another you know pretty kind of dark narrative here (laughs) but again it's like the lyrics move with the harmony it's like if you nice major chord find your sweetheart oh that sweetheart is that bright major chord that we don't expect in your arms yet another major chord and then of a friend and you get that sad minor four chord the revelation that your sweetheart is not in your arms it's in someone else's arms and that's when your heartaches are going to begin charlie it's also worth noting that these chords are very special to us do you know why oh i don't know because when we were young and doe-eyed and we recorded (laughs) the very first episode of switch on pop Mm. called heartbreak yeah which i don't necessarily recommend listening to but one could were they so inclined we discussed Casey Musgrave's song, I Miss You. Oh my God, it's you. I never thought I'd see you. That's right. Which also uses this chord progression. Yep. And we revealed its connection to creep. So this is like, these chords are like the ur text of this whole <laughs> stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I also feel like I'm doing the thing that I said we shouldn't be doing with Olivia Rodrigo, Mm. which is comparing her work to everybody else's. But I want to figure out what is she doing with these fundamental four chords? Yeah. Right? Well, it's pretty savvy, right? It's like, here's a song about a vampire, and she's using these chords that we might have this subconscious connection to being creepy. Like, Mm. that's pretty smart. But let's check out how she styles them with her melody and lyrics. Okay. Hate to give the satisfaction asking how you're doing now. How's the castle built of people you pretend to care about? Withering. I hear this like uh, you have the stewing, quiet mm. 
chords. And then she comes in, she's singing quietly, but she's at this rapid pace. She's singing in 16th notes. It feels like she's trying to go somewhere, even though this music is just sort of slow and brooding. Hmm. It's kind of like she's furiously scribbling in a journal in a quiet rage or something, <laughs> right? I like that, yeah. And if you look at her melody, she's just sort of hanging around these two notes. C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A. C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C sharp. Exactly. And then she emphasizes that note that's off, telling us that, yeah... Something is not quite right here. That that's the that's the chromatic note. That C sharp, C sharp, not <laughs> yeah, exactly. part of the F major scale. So she's singing along in a faster rhythm than the underlying chords. Yeah, journaling, but she's emphasizing that something is wrong here, foreshadowing the monster perhaps, and the lyrics do the same. She places her ex-lover in a castle, and she describes a tortured six-month relationship in a forbidden paradise. So she's leaning hard into this metaphor of the vampire, but she hasn't revealed it yet, right? She's building towards this idea of her monster. She's placing him in a castle where she's been tortured. And she's singing it like she's stuck at the turret of this castle, almost like whispering, but anxiously trying to escape. And ever so slowly, like a great ballad, the stakes keep on rising. Hmm. The production builds in the pre-chorus as she slows down her rhythm, but increases the intensity of her voice. It becomes consistent. Each moment of this pre-chorus just keeps building. Hmm. The production gets bigger. Yeah. The harmonies shift. She leans into her title metaphor that this lover only comes out at night. More terrifying synths come in in the background. She curses. She is so good at the well-placed curse. Yeah. She's done this in Deja Vu. She's done this before in Driver's License. She really likes a strategically planted (laughs) F-bomb. Yeah. (laughs) This one is particularly good, though, because... With all of this foreshadowing of the vampire, finally, in this moment where things cut out, he sinks his teeth in, mm-hmm. and then with a great turn of phrase, she calls him a bloodsucker. Yeah. And a fame... Can I, can I say this? The podcast is okay. I was wondering if you would. I think you should. I don't feel comfortable. I knew you wouldn't. Do you want me to say it? <laughs> you can say it. Fame fucker. Ooh. Charlie just got beat red. Ooh. That one hurts, Charlie's right? a good Protestant boy. <laughs> Everything builds up to this moment and truly cuts out. It's just her alone. And she tells us who he really is. Yeah. A vampire. I agree. It's kind of, That moment is breathtaking. It also brings you from the like world of the Transylvania castle to like 
2023 in just a single couplet in, in, <laughs> totally. in a way that is is really effective. I like how you say that it takes the breath out of you. I mean, she says that she's being bled dry, right? Yeah. I feel like in some ways the song could almost end here. It's like character is deceased, but instead the song does something we rarely hear in a top 40 pop song. It changes tempo. Huh. The song almost more than doubles in BPM with a kick drum that tells us that things are going to pick up. And then the piano picks up too, and a bass comes in. And she's singing faster and faster in this new tempo. It feels as though we have gone from the eerie part of the castle to almost like a chase scene. Like, I feel like we are now trying to escape the grasp of this vampire. Very cinematic. Very cinematic. The whole power of this song isn't even revealed until about halfway through when the beat finally drops. The stakes just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's happening in the lyric. It's happening in the melody. It's happening in her delivery. And it's happening in the tempo and production. Yeah. And she does something that nobody does. Uh She builds her song to a bridge. Like, I feel like most people use the bridge as like, okay, we need a little breather. Right. No. The bridge is almost the biggest part of the song. Ooh, I'm excited. This is where the chase takes off. She gives us more of this great blended ex-lover vampire metaphor. You can't love anyone because that would mean you had a heart. It could also be heard as a, another connection back to driver's license, which also featured uh, what I might call an iconic bridge. Mm. So this is like con- continuing that tradition. It's a ballad. It's got a powerful bridge. It's like right in her wheelhouse. When you write in this style of everything is building all the way through, the question for me, especially in a song about a vampire, is how's it going to end? Whoa. Right? A build to nowhere. <laughs> it's kind of like the start of a Jewish wedding. Except it's just like, you know, blacks out when you get it. Music is highly subjective. You can hear it however <laughs> you like. I'm hearing this as the song has all this early foreshadowing of the vampire. She finally reveals the monster in the chorus. The production picks up in this chase scene. In the final chorus, she's belting as loud as she possibly can, like a scream for help. Mm. And then... You know, the like teeth sink in, goes to silence. I think that this song has a not great narrative conclusion for the protagonist. Yeah. It doesn't feel like she has outrun the vampire. It feels like the vampire caught up and then at the end did a little victory dance. It's a true horror story. It's very unsettling. I love what she's done here. She's taken this very identifiable chord progression and made it into a whole new monster. Yeah. Yeah. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Nate, are you ready for an Olivia Rodrigo vibe shift? Take me there, Chuck. Vampire is not the only single that we've heard so far. We also have the song Bad Idea, right? <laughs> well, well read. Very different sound here. Yeah. Vampire was very like heightened and dramatic. Yeah. This is like so casual and conversational. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like we've gone from the stylings of piano ballad to sort of new wave, post-punk, very riff rock kind of thing. Mm. Uh, definitely irreverent. I actually pulled some of our listeners and they said that they were hearing some Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman. Some talking heads as she was. Reader's Cannonball. Liz Fair's Supernova. And last year's indie hit, Chaise Lounge by Wetleg. But again, I think this is probably the wrong way to approach Olivia Rodrigo. I think that it's more than just these set of influences. The question is, how is she using this riffy post-punk styling to tell the story in Bad Idea right? And I think, like Vampire, we get a clue from the very first couple notes. This riff feels kind of driving, propulsive, oscillating between a one chord and a four chord, harkening back to like classic rock and punk, as you said. You said the word oscillating, going back and forth between these two chords. Yeah. Maybe a little bit indecisive. It's like, am I this one thing or am I this other? Where are we going? I could give you that. Can't make up its mind. Kind of fits with the vocal styling that we get too, right? And what's the very first thing we hear? What's that sound effects? Is that like a screen door opening or something? What is it? Yeah, that is definitely like opening a door and be like, hey, sorry, I just like got here. My bad. <laughs> what does that symbolize? That she was hanging out with this guy when she shouldn't have been or something? We're going to find out, aren't we? Oh, okay. I'm just pleased I got it right because usually I hear that and like then list- listeners write me and they're like, that was a flare gun in SZA's <laughs> SOS, obviously. And I'm like, it was a, a, a depth charge or something. And then there's, of course, the, the Taylor Swift uh, pen click debacle, which we still get emails and about. Space. Yeah, and blank space. Blank space, baby. And I'll write your name. Well, if we got this one wrong, we're going to have to retire. Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, opening sound effect, this indecisive back and forth riff rock guitar. And she's singing in a completely different style than we heard on Vampire. I 
And then the first lyric is, haven't heard you in a couple of months. It's kind of like, hey, haven't heard you in a couple of months. It's one connected idea. She's just... She's just walked inside, and she's hardly even singing here, right? It's extremely conversational, it's like, yeah, which is fitting to this genre. You would hear this kind of just spoken, off the cuff kind of verse in a Talking Head song, in a very, very like insouciant, yeah, kind of blase, uh, like, yeah. And things continue in this conversational nature and this indecisive riff until we get to the pre-chorus. The chords start descending, falling down as she is screaming to herself, I can't even hear my thoughts. I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed. I'm going to make a decision to visit this ex who I've decided, "Eh, you're probably not so good for me, but this is going to be fun anyway. It's almost like a sequel to Vampire, you know? (laughs) (laughs) If you are into celebrity gossip, uh, you can definitely go down that whole rabbit hole about, well, who is the person? Is it this person? Mm -hmm. Is it this other? So probably what you said, Nate, is going to put you in hot water, but these are pop songs. We can hear them how they want. I think they do pair well with each other. So the whole question is, what is she going to do in this song? Is she going to get back together? What do we think? Yeah, duh. Oh, yeah, duh. You're asking, I thought that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, it's fine. Yes, I know that he's my ex, but can't do me what we connect. I only see him as a friend, the biggest lie I ever said. The chorus is just these exulting, joyous, like dozens of Olivia Rodrigo's all saying together, oh, how great is this? Yeah. I thought we were just friends, but I tripped and fell into her. I know. This song is so self-aware. I love it. So meta. And also there's another connection to Vampire. There's a well-placed F-bomb right before (laughs) the chorus. It's like signature Rodrigo here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about earlier how I think she's great at deploying pop song cliches Mm. that advance her narrative. One of them, which is maybe a little silly, is the stop text painting. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. When the artist says stop and the music stops. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite videos on YouTube is like the six-minute super cut of every time this has been done in pop music. So this one is like a super pop cliche, but I like how she uses text painting in the next pre-chorus when she's talking about how she can't hear herself think. My brain goes, uh, 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 I can't hear my th- uh, 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 uh. All of her huh. vowels are gated. Uh, you often hear that in trance music. They call it a trance gate. But it has that quality of like she's interrupting her thoughts that she can't have a coherent thought because uh, our, our protagonist here is, is so excited about making a you know, potentially bad decision, right? I love it. And then finally, my favorite use of a pop cliche is how she builds into her final chorus to give us that overwhelming sense of joy and uh, accomplishment in making a bad but fun decision. Exactly. It feels like a throwback to Twist and Shout. Come on now, shout. And just like the Beatles, you know, she gives us this shouting chorus full of joy. (laughs) 
And then she has this way of almost affirming this bad decision and how great it feels with the music dropping out. The song is silly and irreverent and fun. And uh, I think it's appropriate that its climactic moment is a guitar solo in the style of Tom Morello. hear the same kind of thing in Rage Against the Machines killing in the name of. And a song about uh, pent-up energy, we'll say, and uh, leading to a climactic release. Uh, Some people will choose to belt in the highest range of the register, but I think that the guitar solo is an appropriate stand-in for um, what is happening when someone trips into their bed. Of course, one of my questions, like with Vampire, is how does it end? It doesn't end. It just fades out. It leaves us with the impression that this bad decision could keep on going on again and again. Mm. So going back to that very first sound effect, the screen door, that's that's her like showing up at her ex's house? Yeah, exactly. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's a very, it's, it's a very funny, slightly dark, very self-aware track. I think it's really cool. And she's flexing all of this musical knowledge, leaning into this language of pop music over, you know, 75 years from Elvis, the Beatles, Elvis Costello. Sure, they're all in there, but she's using these ideas to tell this story. She takes these cliches from different genres and she wraps them in this idea of making a bad decision to revisit an ex-lover. That's what good musicians do, Chuck. You know, I think there is one comparison that is probably appropriate. A lot of folks have compared her to Taylor Swift. Olivia Rodrigo has named her as an influence. She's had to give her credits on songs that she has supposedly borrowed from. But I think what's interesting here is way more than just a young woman singing diaristic songs about love and lovers. I think listening closely to both of these tracks has shown me that Olivia Rodrigo is a great songwriter who knows how to use the language of pop music to match the narrative of her songs. And we just have two of those songs right now off of Guts. I'm looking forward to hearing what's coming next on the album. Switch on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz, edited by Art Chong, engineered this week by Chris Shirtleff. Our illustrations are by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr, and our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. You can find us on uh, the old social media at Switch on Pop. And on our website, switchedonpop.com, where we have some fun merch. We'd love for you to pick some up. Tune in again next week. And until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.